today on the news and why it matters. Last night's election results, what they mean, what they don't mean. Also, Rand Paul threatens to drop the name of the whistleblower. Got a lot coming up and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, today joined by Stubergear, who is finally back in studio. Yes, thank you. You were missed. You were missed. Thank you very much. How was Disney? Uh, it, it was uh, the happiest place on earth. It was. Mm -hmm. Really? It's true what they say. Are you, do you feel revived and refreshed from you know, being... I'll tell you this. This is not going to impress you, but it might impress uh, you guys. 29,000 steps. 29,000 steps in a day! Wow. That's amazing. That's insanity. That's not human. That should not happen to people. This yeah. is America. That is, that is impressive. Yeah. I got a cart the other days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on those carts at Disney. <laughs> also in studio, former congressman and candidate for Texas Republican State Chair, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Good to be with you, Sarah. Thank you for being here. Also, editorial director of the Heartland Institute, Justin Haskins. Great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for being here. We've got an awesome, lively crowd today. Got a lot to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Genesis 950. Um, so I know I've mentioned this a couple different occasions, but we have a new puppy now, which means we are using Genesis 950 in overdrive because Genesis 950 is geared towards people who... Maybe like me, you want to like open an animal sanctuary when you get older, and so you just keep collecting random <laughs> pets. You've got your cats, you've got your dogs. I hope to one day have a possum or perhaps a raccoon, uh, in which case I will be using more and more Genesis 950. So if you've got uh, you know carpets that you think need to be replaced, you want to go out and get a bid on a new carpet, don't do that. Don't do that yet. Buy some Genesis 950. It has helped with my house. It's helped Pat, Pat Gray, who uh, they got state stains that they didn't think they could get out. They used a professional steamer, right? Professional cleaners came and tried to get the stains out. That didn't do it, but Genesis 950 did. Uh, it breaks down the bonds of the, uh, the stains, releases it from your carpet, and it's green. So it's good for the whole family. Um, so you can go to genesis950.com. You'll get a free spray bottle and a discount if you use promo code BLAZE. It's available on Amazon as well for all of you people who are, you just shop on Amazon. I know you can get everything on Amazon now, so you can go there. But if you want the discount and the spray bottle, you got to go to genesis950.com. Use promo code BLAZE. So <clears throat> Democrats are, of course, cheering the, uh, you know, what they say was a really huge victory in Kentucky for them. Of course, uh, Matt Bevin has, well, he hasn't conceded yet, but it appears that he has lost the election. Um, but President Trump and the RNC are declaring a victory in Kentucky over the election results last night because while Bevin lost, uh, he was really the only one. Yes. Kentucky primarily, I mean, there was a lot of red going on in, in Kentucky last night. Secretary of State, Attorney General uh, Daniel Cameron, who is also, he is the first Republican elected to the position in more than 70 years, also the first African-American to ever be elected to the position, um, and then auditor, treasurer, uh, ag commissioner, and then two House district seats. Then you've got Virginia. Um, Virginia, not quite the same story. Uh, the Democratic Party flipped both chambers of the Virginia legislature on Tuesday, so they now have total control with uh, Governor Northam, they now have total control of the state house for the first time in nearly 25 years. Uh, Stu, your thoughts on last night's election results? 
Um, well, first of all, as a general picture, I do. It was not a good night for Republicans. Um, it wasn't as bad as the media tried to make it look out. Uh, look, um, I, I don't think. I mean, I, I hate to lose Matt Bevan. I think he was a good conservative. Um, and uh, why? Why was he so unpopular? Um, well, he he was uh, the type of guy I think that said tough things and did tough things. I mean, he you know he was the type of person that would come out and say, "Look, you know this pension is a problem and we need to address it." And that's not something that people want to hear. Uh, it's not uh, something that people like. They prefer the fairy tales of the left. They do. I mean, and you know he he ran on that though to his credit, and he did a lot of really good things there. And in Kentucky, is in a much better place today than they were when he took over. You don't always get rewarded for that. I, you know, I think long term, uh, people will look back at Bevan's, uh, uh, you know, performance. I think in a positive light, but he may not be rewarded for that here. Unfortunately, and they did do well down ticket there. Um, you know, I think uh, losing Matt Bevan in Kentucky is a real blow. It's a it's a bad thing. I, I think one thing, and I th- we see this a lot. I think with Republicans right now. Um, who correctly identify Donald Trump as the head of the party and the guy who is uh, who is out there and the most prominent and famous Republican there is. But trying to align yourself so closely with Donald Trump doesn't seem to be working for anyone else other than Donald Trump. Like It seems to be one of those things where Trump does Trump really well. I don't think Matt Bevin does Trump really well. And, and look, Bevin, you know, he's not Trump. Bevin is not Trump. He's a much different type of conservative. They're both, you know, welcome in the Republican Party. Um, I don't know that I, I would have necessarily run the exact same campaign that Bevin did. But the bottom line is, um, you know, I, I think it's a it's a it's a negative. I think losing him there. There's no better day to have Alan West here uh, than to talk about Virginia, because, I mean, it was exactly what you warned about last time you were on the show. I mean, this this can happen. You can go from full control to no control overnight right now in this environment. And the media is always there to try to push it along that direction. And if that happens in Texas, it's a much bigger deal than it happens in Virginia. Yeah. He's absolutely right. One of the good things about Kentucky, though, at least you have a supermajority in the House and the Senate of Republicans. So the newly elected governor will be kind of cornered into a really tight box. So he will not be able to go and do so many progressive left type things. The interesting thing you saw Ron DeSantis really align himself a lot in Florida. But his opponent, Andrew Gillum, was just so onerous and so far to the left Mm -hmm. that he created that incredible contrast. I don't think that that contrast was there between uh, Bevan and uh, Brashear, I, th- I think yeah. that was his name, who is kind of like that old blue dog conservative type yeah. of Democrat. But it would not surprise me if we saw this Democrat governor, uh, because they're far left in, in the Democrat Party. Maybe he might even be one of those guys like Azell Miller says, I'm out of here mm. because I got to try to work with these uh, guys and mm-hmm. I can't do this far left stuff. Now, when you look at Virginia, you're absolutely right. We have to be concerned because Virginia has flipped because of the concentration of blue right across the Potomac. Fairfax, uh, I think it's Prince William County, uh, and that has just changed the whole complexion of the rest of the state of Virginia. And the exact same thing can happen here when you see all of our major population centers in Texas that are being controlled by the Democrats, the, the progressive socialist left. So there comes a time it's just a numbers game. When you're not regenerating that population out in the rural areas like, you know, rural Virginia or rural East Texas or West Texas, uh, it, it, it could happen. And that's why we really got to focus a strong conservative message and talk about the opportunity and prosperity that people are seeing. The reason why they're moving to Texas is because of those policies. Yeah. 
Justin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm not worried about what happened in Kentucky at all uh, because Kentucky has a history of being sort of a blue state uh, when it comes to governor especially, and they've actually been transitioning away from that as the Democratic Party has moved further and further to the left. They've realized, actually, we're not really Democrats anymore. But with governor, that was kind of the last thing that um, was able to switch. I mean, Matt Bevin, it was rare for Republicans to become governor in Kentucky. So... Uh, It's not surprising that they've kind of moved back in that direction. I think there are a lot of people in Kentucky who, if they had it their way, would vote for a blue dog Democrat. That's what they would like. The problem is there are so few of them left that you can't vote for blue dog Democrats anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Virginia, I think, is is, is an incredible cautionary tale for not just what's happening in Texas, but what's happening in North Carolina. We saw North Carolina vote blue um, very recently. They voted for Obama in one of those elections. But also, I think the more dangerous dangerous thing is California is now exporting all of these Absolutely. these far left voters to parts of the country that don't have large populations. Mm-hmm. So it won't take many voters moving from California to, say, Montana to make Montana all of a sudden a Democratic state. Um, and for people who say, well, that's never going to happen, that's what happened in states like Vermont, for mm-hmm. instance. People mm-hmm. think of Vermont as this New crazy. Hampshire. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, people think of Vermont as this crazy left-wing state. Um, Vermont was, for a very long time, a hardcore Republican, conservative, rural state. And then people from New York, liberal people from New York, said, I wanted to live out in the country. And they moved to Vermont. And all of a sudden, now you get Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. So I, we have to pay really close attention to that, I think. And we We have to start teaching our young people, especially, to adopt free market principles everywhere. But we have to, especially in these parts of the country that are susceptible to having people move in and take over. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a real problem going forward. Uh, Justin brings up a great point because I think that there's a little bit of strategic vision behind this. When you look at the exportation of progressive socialism out of California, out of Massachusetts, out of New York, coming down the I-95 corridor or coming, you know, east out of California. And when a lot of times these folks come into these new areas, they run for two things. They run for city council, they run for school Mm -hmm. boards. And the next thing you know, your kids are being taught something completely antithetical to the principles and values of that state. Take, for instance, what's happening in the Austin Independent School District right now with this sex education curriculum that they want to have that their school district passed. So I think that that's where we need to start waking up and understanding that all politics are local. They recognize that, and we have not done a good job with that. Well, and, and that's an interesting point, too, because, you know, I hear so often here in Texas, well, Beto didn't win. Well, did you see how close he got (laughs) in what's supposed to be a red state? And did you see all of the state, the local elections where Democrats just flooded in and a whole bunch of Republicans got ousted? Look at Tarrant County. Mm -hmm. O'Rourke won Tarrant County. They lost a a county commission. They lost a state senator over there. And that closed the gap in the state Senate. And look at the 12 state House seats that we lost. And that's key with the redistricting coming up. Yeah. And it's bigger than just politics, too. I mean, Stephen Moore wrote a great book a while ago uh, on the wealth of states, and it was comparing how the conservative policies in states were performing against liberal policies. It's the engine of our economy. I mean, it drives this entire economy forward. If those policies go away inside the states, we have major, major problems. And I also look at this, and I think there's a way to look at this that's a you know, somewhat scary and somewhat encouraging. And that if you look at Barack Obama's presidency, he got shredded 
in, in down ticket in mm-hmm. states. Uh, and they, the Democrats got destroyed, everybody under Obama. The only elections that they did well in was when the top of the ticket had Barack Obama's name on it. Mm-hmm. The Barack Obama shtick didn't seem to work for other Democrats all that well. Um, you might be seeing a similar thing going on with Republicans here, where like Republicans are having some trouble down ticket, um, and that might wind up voting well for Trump's reelection. Um, the issue there, though, is that Barack Obama really traded some big policy yeah. wins like Obamacare for all of that down ticket damage. Um, I mean, he ate it because he was like, we can move this. Po-. I mean, look, and it was successful, right? We're now at the point where. There's barely any Republicans saying we need to get rid of Obamacare anymore. And the Democrats who are saying, let's just expand Obamacare, are being mocked for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, it does work if you can lock one of those giant policy wins in. I don't know that Trump has that yet. I mean, he's done, the tax cuts were, were okay. They were pretty good. He's done great jobs with, with the judges. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's cut back on a lot of regulation. But he doesn't have those, those are all things that can be reversed relatively quickly. He doesn't have that big policy win um, to trade a down-ticket destruction for. So hopefully that's not what we're seeing here. But it does ha- seem to have some similarities on that front, I think. But you don't think that this, that last night's results would be any sort of predictor for 2020? I mean, look, you know, it's not... As clean cut, I think, as the media wants it to be. I think everybody on CNN wants to make you believe that this is over now. Trump is is toast. And that's just I don't think that's there's any reason to believe that. Um, You know, the biggest wave election we've had uh, in in all of our lifetimes was 2010, Mm -hmm. uh, where Republicans took it over. And two years later, Mitt Romney lost to Obama anyway. I mean, anything can happen. Um, But I think uh, it's not a great sign. Like, you know, look, we. All of these races have different people are saying, oh, well, Matt Bevin was was particularly unpopular. And, you know, uh, obviously Roy Moore in in Alabama had his big issues. And there's there's a kind of an excuse for each one of these elections. But there's not an incredible amount of great news on the electoral front. And I think Republicans would be uh, well served, you know, and thank God, Alan, you're doing this. Someone's taking it seriously because you can't, there's a temptation, I think, to say, ah, this, this, what are you gonna, you're going to change Texas? You're going to change, you know, this isn't going to happen. Never going to happen. Right, right we yeah. better have people guarding those lines because if we don't, it can happen. And, you know, they are, the left is, is, is has a very well-developed strategy to yes, make it do. happen. Yeah. And they're going to do everything they can to make it happen. And, and again, you lose Texas, just Texas, yeah. you never win another federal election. <laughs> So we better be pretty careful with this. And if they get the redistricting, uh, the opportunity to shape that, then the political landscape of Texas has changed for maybe 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. That's even more important. Mm -hmm. So, again, in the military, they always teach you to consider the enemy's most likely and most dangerous course of action. And between the two, you're supposed to consider the most dangerous course of action. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think the folks in Virginia failed to do in not seeing this incredible uh, expansion that was happening there in northern Virginia and start winning those down-ballot races Mm -hmm. in Fairfax County, in Prince uh, William County. And that's what we have to start doing here in Texas. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Before we jump back into the conversation, we want to thank our sponsor, Candid Co. So I have been using my new aligners that I got from Candid. I'm super excited. Um, I know I get so people on the Internet are weird and they always constantly accuse me of having fake teeth. 
I have a lot of different stock puppet accounts. So <laughs> Really? Yeah, so it's you. Me. It's always you. Me, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, well, they're not fake. And as a matter of fact, I stopped wearing my retainer a long time ago. So my bottom teeth have shifted. You know, as you get older, yeah, it just happens. Um, so I've been using Candid. It is amazing, you guys. If you have, you know, maybe you've, you're the same as me. You had the retainer. You don't wear it anymore. Your teeth have shifted. Or maybe you just always wanted braces, but you just never wanted the wires. And as an adult, you're like, well, that's nerdy. All right, you got to get candid. You do it in the comfort of your own home. They ship it to you directly to your door. You do the impressions. You mail them off. They send you a treatment plan. It's 3D, and you can see your teeth shifting. Uh, it's going to take six months for me to, to be right back to where I was right after I got my braces off. And it's 65% less than traditional braces. And you're saving time and money going to the doctor's office with the copays and everything like that. Amazing what the free market can do. It when really it's is. Innovation. It's amazing. And by the way, you're still getting the, the orthodontist. You're still getting the doctor reviewing all of your plan, doing everything. You're just doing it from home. Way to go, America. That's capitalism <laughs> for you. Uh, you got to go to Candid. Co. That's candidco.com slash Y. Use promo code Y to get $75 off, which you're already getting a bargain and you get $75 off of that. That's candidco.com slash Y. Use promo code Y for $75 off. Uh, so Senator Rand Paul got a little feisty <laughs> the other night um, with a reporter. He was talking about the, the name of the whistleblower and he's done. He's tired of it. He's like, all right, maybe you journalists should actually do some journalism and report this person's name, or I'm just going to do it for you. Watch. The whistleblower laws, though, they protect a whistleblower. You know it's illegal to out a whistleblower. Actually, you see, you got that wrong, too. No, I mean, we well, should work on the facts. Here's the thing is, the whistleblower statute protects the whistleblower from having his name revealed by the inspector general. Even the New York Times admits that no one else is under any legal obligation. The other point, and you need to be very careful if you really are interested in the news, is that the whistleblower actually is a material witness completely separate from being the whistleblower because he worked for Joe Biden. He worked for Joe Biden at the same time Hunter Biden was receiving $50,000 a month. So the investigation into the corruption of Hunter Biden involves this uh, whistleblower because he was there at the time. Did he bring up the conflict of interest? Was there discussion of this? What was his involvement with the relationship between Joe Biden and the prosecutor? There's a lot of questions that the whistleblower needs to answer. Now, want to get into that, um, but before we do... I want to give Chuck Schumer's response to this. So it's Rand Paul knows who he is, right? We all know who he is, where it's just like, who's he who shall not be named? Who's right. going to say his name first, which is very bizarre. <laughs> uh, but yep. Chuck Schumer takes a, quite an interesting angle on who the whistleblower is. And uh, he's like, I, I hope someone tells me his name because I don't know who this is <laughs> at all. Wink, wink. Watch. The calls to make public the whistleblower's identity are despicable. The whole purpose of the whistleblower law was to protect people when they had the courage to come forward. This whistleblower is obviously coming forward because he was so concerned about where President Trump was leading America. And every single Republican senator, including the Republican leader, ought to denounce this. This has nothing to do with answering questions about the status of impeachment or the status of the trial. This has to do with what America is all about and a law that was passed in a bipartisan way. Whistleblowers should be protected, period, period. And no one knows who he is, or if you do, you should let me know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whistleblowers should be protected, but tell me the name. Yeah, <laughs> solid acting there by Chuck. Yeah. Uh, uh, my understanding of the First Amendment is the federal government can't tell me what names or words I can say, which ones I can't. Yeah. Um, that's not the way. You can't pass a law that says no one in America can say someone's name. This is ridiculous. I mean, yes, this is a very specific statute written as Rand Paul described. Um, it's, you know, yes, there are restrictions. Uh, but, I mean, you can't restrict the media from doing this. And the media would never allow it itself to be restricted anyway, nor should it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just another is, is another excuse. We talked about uh, a little bit about the uh, ABC uh, Epstein yes. thing that, mm-hmm. that went out there um, and that, that sort of uh, off-mic video or off-camera video. Hot mic, yeah. Uh, hot mic, that's what I'm looking for. And, you know, it's the same thing there. Like, they, they come back, their response is, well, come on, guys. I mean, you know, we, we, uh, we can't, we didn't have enough evidence to put the Epstein story on the air. And it's like, well, you guys went on with, like, like the ninth string accusers of Kavanaugh. Like, the ones that, like, even, like, in Weekly World News was like, ah, I just can't take that one seriously. And you're putting them on TV and giving them interviews like they're credible witnesses. It, it seems to be a, a double standard that is completely ridiculous. Here they see this whistleblower, uh, and really, the value at this point for the whistleblower is to the Republicans. Or, yeah, to the Republicans. They're going to—they're more likely to protect uh, the whistleblower. The Democrats got what they wanted out of this, right? Like they started this ball rolling. We got the transcript of the call. The only thing they really pointed out was there was a transcript of a call, and you should look at it. We all looked at it. You can make your judgments on it. Now, this particular player being in the middle of the Biden situation, being in the middle of all the Ukraine stuff, Glenn has been talking about uh, through these specials. That is really where this whistleblower now has value. It's not. It's not about Trump anymore. That. That. What, what's he going to say? Like I told opinion. you there was a call, and yeah. there was. Yeah. Okay, you're right on that. But what now? Look at. How did that start? Mm-hmm. How did that ball get rolling? Is really the interesting part of this at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's interesting to me to talk about the hypocrisy when you have someone like Joaquin Castro that can out a bunch of uh, donors mm-hmm. for President Trump, yes. but that's his First Amendment right. Yeah. He can put their names out there and right. shame them and everything like that. But the real point that I want to bring out is that everyone was talking about how important the whistleblower was. Adam Schiff was like, you know, we need to protect, we need to hear from the whistleblower. Now, Adam Schiff said, the whistleblower is not important. So if the whistleblower is not important, why can't we know who the whistleblower is? Uh, And so it's this, it's this, you know, Charlie Brown and Lucy, you know, shifting the ball moment. And and not just that, they shift the goalposts. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what works to undermine everything that the left does is the utter hypocrisy that you consistently and incessantly see from them day in and day out. Justin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for someone who clearly has some ties to people who don't like Donald Trump um, using this, taking advantage of this statute to, you know, maybe settle a political vendetta here. Um, I I think ideally you want to have a whistleblower statute that makes sure that a person's identity is protected in situations where it is necessary. But if the other side is going to use this to their political advantage in the way that they have, they're not keeping the information he's providing secret. They're making that very well known. So shouldn't we have the ability to question the person, find out what else they know? Shouldn't the public, if if the public is made aware of all these other things, shouldn't they be made aware of who this person is and what their background is? And all? I mean, those are all very legitimate questions. I think the public has a legitimate interest in knowing who this person is, what their background is, why they were motivated to do this. I don't think that's unreasonable for that to happen. I think it's a perfectly reasonable request. And as Stu pointed out, there's that little thing called the First Amendment that I know the left doesn't always like very much, but it's there and they can't get rid of it, at least not yet. So you got to at least 
give it to uh, the Democrats. Okay, if I saw this guy's shady history, I wouldn't want people to know that his name was Eric Charamella either. Mm -hmm. Charamella. <laughs> Thank you. Instead of the Italian accent. Charamella. So much of this comes back to... Well, this is great, because I didn't know who was in that. I just like to break it's news It's like here. an epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> Take a quick break. We'll be back. I, I, don't know how, I don't know who it is. I actually don't know if that's right either. But everyone keeps saying that's his name. Right? Well, you just heard us discussing this whistleblower and, you know, who the alleged whistleblower is, I should say, Eric Charamella. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. I practiced. I practiced. Wow. So, yeah, is Gonzalez Italian? No. No. Wow. I, I know. I would, Shocking. I, would, I, missed, yeah, I missed my calling. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find out more about, uh, you know, his shady history with Alexander Chalupa and all of these dealings going on in Ukraine with Glenn's uh, third Part three of his chalkboard special about Ukraine. It is coming up a week from today. One week from today. It is going to be at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. You can watch it on blazetv.com. Hey, also, you can use a handy dating promo code to get $10 off if you would like to sign up for blazetv.com. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss this, and it's something that the mainstream media is not going to tell you. Uh, overtime starts next. blazetv.com. Go there now. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Democratic presidential candidate Kamala Harris has now proposed a new groundbreaking plan. It is... A bill. Oh, I'm sorry. So as senator, she's introducing a bill. This is not just part of her presidential agenda. She's trying to do it right now. A bill that would extend the school day by two hours in order to accommodate working parents. So she wants to mandate that there is uh, schools that are open from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. Now she wants to set up a pilot program. I mean, she's going to be reasonable oh, about baby. it, guys. Okay, mm. reasonable. So she's going to set up a pilot program that provides funds to 500 schools to keep their doors open from those hours, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, for five years, after which time the program will be evaluated for its effectiveness and potential expansion. Now, mm. of course, her logic is that, well, obviously the standard workday runs until 5, um, but the school day ends around 3, and how can you expect parents to be able to, you know, like parent their children and take care of them, we have to have the government do it, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, I mean, look, Kamala's come to the point in this campaign where she's dealing with the Beto brand uh, of uh, desperation. Bob Frank. Yes, Bob, sorry, Bob Frank. Bob Frank. Frank. You're right. I'm sorry. Uh, the Bob Frank desperation, which is not a fun place to be. So she's just throwing everything against the wall. I mean, I will say, Number one, the federal government has no role in dictating to schools when they should be open. Like, this is not even close to a thing. Um, it's not her worst proposal, which says a lot. I remember back in the day, um, it was 1875 when I was in high school, uh, and they did, um, oh, there's a lot of talk about um, f f 10 hour school days, but for four days a week, mm. or doing the thing where you have like four weeks on and three weeks off instead of a big summer vacation. Like there were some of those alternative mm -hmm. plans that were kind of like, I don't know, it kind of seems kind of cool. Um, but this one, I mean, look, I think there actually is some sense to this and that you do have working parents who can't 
be home with their kids. I mean, I, you know, I know you and I at least have both dealt with that even here with these schedules where mm -hmm. we can kind of like leave. I mean, Glenn has no idea. We just leave whatever we want. <laughs> um, you know, it's a lot easier maybe for us than you know, someone with a real job. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, 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 it can be difficult. But I, really, the federal government is like the last place in the universe where this is going to, if you want to have this happen in a charter school, like at a local level to try to test something mm -hmm. like this. I know as a kid, if it was that long for five days a week, I would not be that one. I'd be doing the walkout thing. I'd be doing the, the kid walkout thing, which I did every time it was proposed. Like, we're protesting. Oh, we're walking stuff. out. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. it's for, but we're leaving school. We happen to be protesting near McDonald's. What? That's a good deal. Uh, so, uh, Colonel, you know, what Stu says, I agree with you. It's like you got to understand that the message is received by people well because they'll say, well, I, that's true. I can't, I can't always go to pick up my child and I need help with this. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, yes, but where does the personal responsibility come into Absolutely. play when you have a child? You need to make sure that you can adequately care for that child. Well, the government doesn't believe in personal responsibility. They believe that in the nanny state. But what is so interesting is that you hear these Democrats talking about they want the voting age to, to start at 16. Mm -hmm. They just lost all those 16-year-old votes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you going to make me stay in school for another two hours? Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. But, but think about the second and third order effects. If you are a football player, so when do you start football practice or basketball mm. practice mm -hmm. or cheerleading or band yeah. or whatever? You go, what, start at 630, 7 o'clock? I mean, um, and again, why do you think they want our kids to still be in these schools like the Austin Independent yes. School District yes. so they can continue on with the indoctrination of our kids even longer? Look, you can have some type of after school program that many of the kids can be in. But then also you have a lot of young kids that go out and they have part time jobs. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to take them away from that ability to go out and get personal responsibility and having a part time job. Horrible idea. And this is another one of those things where they're just throwing something out there to see if someone will bite on it. But it's absurd. And it just represents that plank of the Communist Manifesto that talked about state control of public schooling. Mm -hmm. Justin, do you agree? Yeah, I think I think a lot of great points there. Uh, the biggest thing that came to my mind was, what does this mean for teachers who are now going to obviously demand a gigantic pay raise? I mean, as it is now, you have teachers striking, it seems like, every single year because they're unhappy that they're not getting enough benefits or that the school year is too long. They only get three months of summer vacation and they want four or some crazy thing or whatever it is. Now we're going to make them work till six o'clock, like eight to six. Like that's never going to happen unless they get a gigantic pay raise. And who's going to pay for that exactly? Mm -hmm. And where in the Constitution does it say the federal government has anything to do with education at all? Mm -hmm. As far as I know, it's nowhere to be found. So providing any funding for, for education at the federal level is arguably unconstitutional. I think it is unconstitutional. And, and to go to Stu's point, if I was a child in this situation, I would be incredibly angry <laughs> and I would never forgive the Democratic Party. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, if you're one of these children in a pilot program, you're especially mad because you're just one of... Uh, you know, several thousand kids at these 500 schools, so the rest of the country still yeah. gets to go home at three o'clock. Yeah. You're Think a about pig. how awful this is for those kids. <laughs> You're a pig. So, on, in you know, looking at the totality of the situation, maybe it's better because maybe it drives all these kids out of the Democratic Party <laughs> yeah. forever, yeah. and maybe they Republicans. Yeah, exactly. On. Right. That's funny. I mean, I think it's a go. It's a it's a policy proposal that's not going anywhere. So maybe we don't take it she all that needs seriously. Attention. Yeah, she needs attention badly, yeah. um, and she needs to stand out on something at this point. Um, she is at that uh, Bob Frank stage, but I, I just, you know, like, 
there was a time in which, you know, Republicans really stood up and made points like this. You know, Ronald Reagan ran on getting rid of the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. And now Matt Bevin is getting voted out of office because he's restricting some union benefits, um, you know, at, at, you know, a minor level, but a significant one. Uh, You know, there has been a lot. There's been a big move away from those fundamental like constitutional principles lately. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't think it's a good thing. I I mean, again, the biggest wave election that any of us have ever seen happened when the Republicans were were showing their principles most most prominently. I was there. Yeah, of course. And and, and I, you know, I, I. Kind of wish I, those days were good days. I think I, I think the Republicans were on the right track there, showing like we have a base level level of, of constitution and what the government should be able to do, right. and we need to keep them away from everything else. Right. And when they said those things, people were like, "Yes, Amen, let's do it." And we lately have, you know, we we've we stray a little bit too much from those principles. Right. And, and, and all of this could be solved if we just had universal school choice to begin with. Because if you wanted to send your child to a school that was opened later for whatever reason, then yeah. you could do that. Yeah. Give people the option yeah. to put their children in the school that best fits their family's needs. Unfortunately, Kamala Harris, Democrats are completely opposed to that. They want to kill charter schools in many cases. So the idea that they care about flexibility and all of this and they care what the parent, that's just complete nonsense. Which doesn't it show you where their hearts and their heads really truly are at when they say things like they want to eliminate charter schools and school choice. I mean, that that just throws, that shows their hand immediately. And and I think that's why we should move away from saying school choice and say educational freedom, yeah. mm, educational I like liberty. That. I like that. That's what they're against. They yeah. co-opted that, Absolutely. that term to make it negative. Uh, all right, moving on. Climate change scientists, 11,000 scientists, have finally declared what we need to do in order to save the planet. Um, you know, all of the, everything else that's been proposed does not go far enough, they say, and um, we need to stop having children. So, so, I mean, I, I just cannot believe they're still trying this crap. I mean, it's Paul Ehrlich is still, he's just still going. It's the ghost of Paul I mean, Ehrlich. He never goes away. Never True, goes away. Truly, though. So, uh, on yesterday, scientists released an open letter in the journal Bioscience in which they insisted that the Earth's population needs to be reduced in order to save the planet. We're increasing too much. Having too many babies. We need to stop that. I mean, I thought, like, are, are all of the millions of abortions that happen every year not enough? Kinda, That's yeah. not enough? Yeah. I mean, since Roe v. Wade, 20 million black babies have been murdered in the womb. So I, I, the black community is being decimated because of the policy of the left. But this kind of reminds me, when I was growing up, there was that movie Logan's Run. When, you know, when you got to be a certain age, a little light went off in your hand. And uh, you had, you know, the folks that went out there and, you know, hunted you down and, mm. and killed you. This scares me mm-hmm. because these folks have gotten just completely delusional and deranged and almost demonic when they make proclamations like that. Well, and it's I mean, obviously, every individual is responsible for their own individual actions. But we saw the the shooting that happened. Where was it that the was it El Paso? Yeah. Where he wrote the manifesto mm-hmm. and. Population control was part of his yeah. message. Yeah, everyone said that was this big right-wing conspiracy. It had crazy right-wing elements and crazy left-wing yeah. elements uh, in it. Uh, you go back, there was a, you know, uh, someone several years ago went to the Discovery Channel with a gun uh, to because That's they were so right. worried about 
about the climate. Uh, you know, this is a, a plot of the uh, the documentary film Kingsman, uh, which came out a couple years ago. Where Sam, I think it was Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, wasn't Samuel it? It's Jackson. weird. You always yeah. watch documentaries. I watch so many documentaries. Never. I can't keep track of them at times. But I mean, that one. It, what I thought, I cannot believe that movie ever was made because the vi- the villain in that movie was a environmentalist or an environmentalist who said, you know, population's getting too big. We need to do something to control it. And basically, his answer was killing everybody. Um, it's it is it's bizarre, um, and I guess not all that surprising um though i mean if you look at the overall and this happens as happens as countries gets developed all around the world really without exception at this point if you look look at read the book factfulness they document this at length where countries that become developed lower these the rates of birth mm-hmm. it, it's you know when you ha- when your kids are all grown to 80 you don't want 12 of them they're, they're, they they yeah. get really annoying at times <laughs> um so it, the birth rates come way down and we found a way to be you know kind of seems to regulate itself in yeah. you know all circumstances so far um so that's a big thing and and you know these sort of linear projections that scientists like to make by the way you know this is why you don't turn over policymaking to scientists because scientists look at their one little window of the world and don't factor it in you need you know people who are experts on population and and world development will tell you over and over again that this is not what happens these there aren't these big population explosions that that exploit all of our resources and they all disappear look at europe right yeah Yeah. Um, justin let me lay this one on you This is uh, what these scientists are saying, that the decline in human fertility rates has has substantially slowed during the last 20 years and the pace of forest loss in Brazil's Amazon has now started to increase again. Like what? Are these two things related? <laughs> why, is that in the, so. why is that in the uh, same uh, sentence? Apparently so. Why are these scientists saying this? Should we trust the scientific community yeah. at all anymore? Yeah, I, I think what's, what this is evidence of is this idea, this fanatical idea that humans cannot adapt to what's going on around them. That whatever is happening, so you talk about linear changes, whatever is happening right now is going to, in a linear way, continue, whatever problem that is, to continue to increase. And we are never going to be able to adapt to it. We're never going to be able to survive. We're never going to be able to find a way to make it. And history has shown over, in fact, the past century is the best example of humans at a, at that that whole idea that we can adapt and change and grow and innovate and we will be fine. Mm-hmm. I went on vacation to Iceland because that's where crazy people go on vacation. <laughs> and they grow, they, they grow their own tomatoes. They grow their own tomatoes in gigantic greenhouses. They grow their own vegetables. And in Iceland, where it's dark like 22 hours of the day, like 10 months out of the year or something. Sounds like a vacation hotspot. It it is. It really is. But they find a way to do it. They find a way to thrive and to survive. And human beings have been doing this for a very long time. We are going to make it. Climate change is not going to kill us. We're not going to die from a post-apocalyptic climate change hellscape 80 years into the future, I promise you. And yet the left seems convinced that that's going to happen unless, I guess, we start killing each other or stop having children or some other crazy thing. You cannot predict the future. And unfortunately for the left, they just continue to to fail to see that lesson over and over and over again. As as a, a young man growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, we freaked out when they told us there was an ice age coming. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So in my little short 58 years, I've been told that I'm going to freeze to death. Yep. Now I'm being told I'm going to be overheated to death. Yep. Uh-huh. 
They can't get it right. No, no, they can't get it right. They, they, they had predictions in the 1960s and 70s, not just about global warming, uh, not just about global cooling, but also that we would all starve because there wouldn't be enough food. Solid and, green. Remember the yeah, movie? Solid I mean, green. I mean, and, back to it now. Yeah, and now we have, we're, crop production goes up every single yeah. year practically. So this idea that we can't survive is, is just total nonsense. Take that, AOC. Uh. <laughs> uh, yesterday's poll, following Project Veritas expose, do you think ABC covered up? This is, was like a, wow. I was like, this is a rhetorical. Do you think ABC covered up the Epstein story in order to protect their powerful friends, i.e. the Clintons? <laughs> okay, we've become a little bit of an expert on this scientific polling. <laughs> yes. I don't think we've seen a 99 to 1 yet. We see a lot of 96 to 4s. We'll get in that area. 99 to 1 is a We runaway. may have had one when you were gone. Okay. But, I mean, still, this is this does not happen. This is this God is a... God bless you, that 1%. That is tra- <laughs> they are just to piss Sarah off. They really Thank are. God. They really they are. are for- then why else would ABC... ABC cover that up. Come on, one percent. They didn't have the journalistic integrity. Oh yeah, they didn't have quite enough. The journalistic okay. integrity that they have over Darn there it. at they ABC. Really wanted to put that story on. They just couldn't give me it out. Today's poll: What is more newsworthy, Trump's Twitter typos or reports that ABC covered up? Now they're really. They are really. They're really. We're going for it here. Um, if, as they get, if they don't get a hundred on this one. This, there's no 100% poll. No, well, because, no, it gets retweeted by someone who, like, a, a Trump, yeah. uh, an, an anti-Trump ABC person News sees it. Yeah, sees it, and they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and the people who are there as heroes of this show to make Sarah angry yeah. that they vote the wrong way, That's those right. people are still there. Yeah. They will rise up Contrarians. in times of need oh, just awful. like this. Did I say that we missed you while you were gone? <laughs> no, you, you never actually did say that. Okay, there is a reason okay. for that. Uh, do, do, I didn't see, did he type, did he make a Twitter typo today? Did you guys see? I didn't see one today. Doesn't he do one every day? So, I, 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 t- I don't know. I forget what the one was the other day, but it was just, ugh, insufferable watching it trend. And everyone's reporting on the cares? fact that Trump made a Twitter typo. I'm like, it's not a big issue, but what? can you get someone to read your yeah. tweets and make sure the words are spelled yeah. right? You don't have to edit your content. Just it's make true. sure the words. I would spend, like, I don't like spending uh, taxpayer money. So. <laughs> I'll spend a $100,000 salary plus benefits. Just someone who just sits there all day and he's about to tweet and he just shows it to him and sees if things are spelled right and the capitalization is right. That's it. These are basic <laughs> just things. Just a proofreader. Should, we don't want to yeah. pay for your kids to stay at school until 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah, we're going to pay for. <laughs> I'm fine with that. That's one Twitter role. tester. I will, Not a food I will tester, but a Twitter tester. Of, <laughs> yeah. of the federal government and keep that and add that one job. <laughs> it just seems like it's a basic thing. Just check it before. I don't understand it. I don't understand, but whatever. He's the president of the United States. I'm not. <laughs> that is uh, a fact. Fact check true. <laughs> let us know what you think. You can go to the Blazes Twitter. Don't let me down, you guys. Come on. Come on. We're gunning for 100. Don't let me down. <laughs> Vote the correct way in the poll. Don't listen to Stu. He's a very bad influence. <laughs> Uh, gentlemen, thank you for being here. We'll thank see you, you tomorrow. Tomorrow's supposed to be like, what do you like better, Nazis or puppies? <laughs> <laughs> You're just now just trying to get 100. It's not real. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the News and Why It Matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.